The following audio is from Grace City Church in San Diego, California. More information about Grace City Church is available at gracecitysd.com. For some days, Paul was with the disciples at Damascus, and immediately he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogues, saying, He is the Son of God. And all who heard him were amazed and said, Is not this the man who made havoc in Jerusalem of those who called upon this name? And has he not come here for this purpose, to bring them bound before the chief priests? But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus was the Christ. When many days had passed, the Jews plotted to kill him, but their plot became known to Saul. They were watching the gates day and night in order to kill him, but his disciples took him by night and let him down through an opening in the wall, lowering him in a basket. And when he had come to Jerusalem, he attempted to join the disciples, and they were all afraid of him, for they did not believe that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared to them how on the road he had seen the Lord who spoke to him, and how at Damascus he had preached boldly in the name of Jesus. So he went in and out among them at Jerusalem, preaching boldly in the name of the Lord. And he spoke and disputed against the Hellenists, but they were seeking to kill him. And when the brothers learned this, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we are so thankful that we are worshiping you with angels, with those who have died and are with you. We're all worshiping together around the world, in our homes, um, at churches. Uh, we are so thankful that, that we can come before you in your presence. We pray that you would teach us this morning about what it means to persevere in the midst of suffering, what it means to stand up for our faith, um, and speak to us through your spirit. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Good morning, church family. Uh, it's great to be with you. Um, as has been said, just thank you for your flexibility. Thank you for uh, being with us right now as we continue to go through the book of Acts. And uh, again, just want to remind you that uh, as we think about the men's retreats and the women's retreats coming up and even baptisms coming up soon, um, our hope is that you'll engage with those. And so if you've never been baptized before, um, as we look through Acts, believers uh, that come to faith in Jesus, they, they, they make that public proclamation of their faith by getting baptized. And so we do have one that's going to be getting baptized on May 16th, and that's really exciting for us. Um, and also the men's retreat and the women's retreat. Um, as far as the men's retreat goes, uh, man, I, I, my hope is that we will be godly men. Godly men that will step up in our faith and, and worship Jesus and, and really deal with some of the junk uh, in our lives, right? The, the, we, we can't put on those masks, but we really need to, to lean into it. And so that's going to be one of those weekends where we're going to lean into some of the junk so that the Lord can really confront us on that and we can really grow in the gospel. So my hope is that you jump into that on May 21st through 23rd. And, and my friend Larry Acosta is going to be speaking for us and he's going to bring it. So I'm really excited excited about that. Um, now, as I said, we're going to be going through the book of Acts uh, today as we continue uh, looking at Acts 9, 19 through 31. And the message is the gospel in the midst of suffering. 
the gospel in the midst of suffering. So last week we talked about how Paul had been converted to faith, um, but then we see some suffering that comes into his life. And we need to, to know that those types of things happen as believers, right? There's things that are unexpected. We weren't expecting this morning that we're going to be doing a live stream service. But this is where we're at. And so the same thing happens in our lives as believers is that we, we have moments where we're not expecting it, but it comes. And we need to be prepared. And so uh, one pastor and author, Ray Ortland, describes three types of suffering that, that we experience as Christians. And one is he, he describes deserved suffering. And so what he talks about is this. We sin and we suffer misery for it. Sin always spawns misery. It's all sin can do. And so um, I've experienced that before, right? Where it's like, it's not anybody else's fault. It's my fault. And I, I can't point the finger and say, well, it was, it was this circumstance or this thing that happened. But really, it was, it was my choices that led to the, the consequences of what sin brings. And sin, as Jesus talks about, uh, comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And so there are moments where we experience that deserved suffering that we bring upon ourselves. We make those choices. But the second one is this, innocent suffering. He says, we do not sin. We do nothing wrong. But we still suffer. And he says, a natural disaster brings um, about the, the, the effects of suffering Innocent suffering. Racial prejudice brings innocent suffering. Abortion brings innocent suffering. See, these are, these are things that, 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 uh, that happen but are the results of, of, of innocent suffering that happens, right? And so the third one he talks about is righteous suffering. He says, we not only do not sin, but what we do is right. We stand for Jesus and his gospel and we suffer for it. And what I, I want us to be encouraged with today is this, that all three of these, we need, we need good news. We need the gospel, right? We need the gospel when we have those deserved suffering moments where we make those decisions and we, it needs to come in and, and that grace needs to meet us there. But also there are things that happen, innocent suffering that might have been brought on by somebody else, but it wasn't our fault, that we need the good news of the gospel to come in, right? And to remind us of, of who we are and the good news of, of God's grace. But today we're going to be looking and diving into this idea and this concept of righteous suffering. Because that's what we see in today's text. See, God had miraculously saved Saul. And as we looked at his life, we saw that Saul was a violent man. He was looking to destroy the church. But he met Jesus in a radical way and it, tr it transformed him. It changed him. But here's another layer to his story. Remember Acts 9 last week when we looked at verses 15 through 16. Here's what it says. The Lord said to him, so it's talking about Ananias, go for Saul, uh, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. What type of suffering is this? This is a righteous suffering because now Paul, as he becomes Paul, is, is stepping into a life where he's going to be not tearing down the church but building the church. 
And there will be a suffering that he'll experience through that. So let's ask, is it just Saul that would learn through suffering? Well, according to Paul's letters to Timothy in 2 Timothy 3.12, suffering, as we become believers, and righteous suffering in particular should be a normative thing for every believer, actually. 2 Timothy 3.12 says this, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Why? Because the stream of the world is going one direction and the kingdom of God is going a different direction. And so you will rub up against areas and places that are going to cause your life to be more difficult because you're a Christian. Because it's not going to fit perfectly into the box of the rest of the way that everybody else is living. And so this happens in Saul's life. It happens in your life. And so what I'm saying today is don't be surprised when it happens. I remember I took a trip to India and I was there visiting uh, some of the missionaries that were over there. Uh, and, and this was probably about 10, 15 years ago. And I remember meeting some of these, uh, these missionaries and the disciples that they were making. And there were, there were these young uh, men that were there that were going to be church planters. They were in the school training, uh, growing in the gospel, learning about Jesus. Right? They've been radically converted. And so they're training to go back to their villages to tell people about Jesus. And I remember we were outside one day and I was talking with some of them and, and, and I just asked them, I said, how many of you are going back to your village to go tell people about Jesus? And most of them raised their hands. So they're going back to their hometowns. I said, how many of you are afraid to go back? Because they knew that there was going to be persecution. They talked about it all the time. And they said, we're not afraid because we know Jesus is with us. And I just remember, I'll never forget it, looking in their eyes and seeing the joy that was in their eyes. And remember me thinking to myself, man, like the, the moments where I think I, I've got it really difficult, I don't. But I just remember the, the, the joy that was inside of them just asking God, like, please help me to stand and be bold in my faith. You see, that sticks with me, that joy. And, and I can only imagine that that same joy has happened in Saul's life as he's gone from this angry, violent man persecuting the church, tearing down the church, to now telling people about Jesus. And so we're going to look at that in, in Acts 9, 19 through 31. And my question is this, as we think about this text, how does God shape us through suffering? How does he shape us through suffering? You know, one of my favorite passages in scripture is in Romans 8, where it talks about this. It says that, that God is working to the good of those who love him according to his purposes. He's working all things together for good. And so there's this promise within Scripture that God is working all things together for good. Even the sufferings, even the difficulties that we go through, he's working it and he's weaving it together for good. You're thinking to yourself, how do, I don't know how God can weave good out of some of these things that have happened in my life. It didn't mean that it was good that it happened. But he's working it together for your good. 
And I think we need to remember that today. And so God is shaping us. He shapes us through suffering. What happens when we experience suffering? Well, Timothy Keller said this in his, in his book about suffering. He says, when troubles and difficulties hit, we are suddenly in God's gymnasium. We're exposed. Our inner anxieties, our, our, our hair trigger temper, our unrealistic regard of our own talents, our tendency to lie or shade the truth, our lack of self-discipline, all these things come out. And what you're going to see that is, is that today Saul is being reminded of his past, saying this is who you were. I thought this is who you were. But again, he's living into who God has made him to be. And so here's what we learned from today. It's this, that, that when we suffer, it's a call to embrace the gospel in three ways. And so if you're taking notes today, it's this, through embracing, number one, a new identity. Number two, a deeper bond. And number three, comforting presence a new identity a deeper bond a comforting presence so the first one is this a new identity look at verses 19 through 25 for some days he was with the disciples at Damascus again remember he was on his way to Damascus to go destroy the church now he's there with the disciples and immediately he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogue saying he is the son of God And all who heard him were amazed and said, is not this the man who made havoc in Jerusalem of those who called upon this name? And has he not come here for this purpose to bring them bound before the chief priests? But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus was the Christ. When many days had passed, the Jews plotted to kill him, but their plot became known to Saul. They were watching the gates day and night in order to kill him, but the disciples took him by, but his disciples took him by night and let him down through an opening in the wall, lowering him in a basket. Okay, so what do we see here in this section as we think about a new identity? It's this, that Saul had a new identity that was established, and number one, a new message. A new message, a new script for life. See, there was an immediate change in Saul. Saul eventually becomes Paul. He's not the same. And we see it here in verse 20. Immediately he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogue saying, he is the son of God. Now, this is a really important change for Saul because what this would have done is would have gone completely against all of his training, all of his Jewish uh, heritage and, and traditions, right? It would have gone against it because what he's saying is this, that Jesus is God, that Jesus is God. And up to this point, anytime Jesus said that he was God and told the Jewish people about this, they were ready to stone him. They said it was blasphemy, And now Paul is aligning himself with Jesus, with the words of Jesus and saying, I'm with him. He's not aligning himself any longer with those that approved him and and even sent him out to go destroy the church. See, this wasn't about their approval anymore, but this was about a message that he had received directly from Jesus, that Jesus is God. See, Jesus never came proclaiming to be just a good teacher, a healer, a philosopher. No, he claimed to be God. And now this message has 
become something that Saul has taken personally into his life. Do you believe this message? Do you believe that Jesus is who he says he is? Do you believe that he is truly God? See, this, in this, it's what separates the message of Christianity from every other religion in the world. And this message has become deeply ingrained in Saul's identity. And this is, this is a very important part because it's this. It gave him a new security. See, uh, up to this point, Saul was approved by the people who were saying, go, destroy the church. There were more at that time than would have been in the church, and so he would have been on the popular side of saying, let's crush Christianity. But something happened in him where Jesus changed him, and there's a new security that he had. It didn't matter anymore what people thought about him. It didn't matter anymore about his past. Verse 21 Is not this the man who made havoc in Jerusalem of those who called upon this name? And has he not come here for this purpose, to bring them bound before the chief priests? See, for you and me, we have to think, okay, what makes us insecure? You ever felt those moments where you just get really kind of insecure? You just kind of feel like um, lesser? Like there's something in your mind that just keeps playing back again and again about your past. And it's telling you that, that you're not enough or you're not worthy or, or, or you don't matter. What, what is that thing? What is that message inside of you? Because for Paul, there were a lot of reasons that he, that, that, that message could have been playing over in his mind and it could have made him even more and more insecure. But what we see is this that it says that he, in verse 22, that Saul increased all the more in strength. He didn't get weaker. He got stronger. See, it was in his weakness where he was rock bottom, lowest, right? Remember that last week? We talked about in his weakness. That was the message where God wanted to bring him to his lowest. That then God started to build him up. See, for you and me, what's it going to take for us to be built up in this new message but find a new security in in Jesus? Because there's a lot of things that will make us feel insecure. And lastly, he, he leans into this, a new calling. Verse 22, and confounded the Jews, right, who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus was the Christ. Now, as we've talked about before, Luke is very technical in the way that he writes things. And and what this should remind us of is this. Remember back in Acts 6 and 7? You remember who was there? Stephen. Right, Stephen was proclaiming about Jesus. He was going into the synagogue. He was was talking about Jesus. He was sharing about Jesus. And what it said is that that he he was confounding people, right? That, that he was, he was uh, bringing people to the point where, where they couldn't argue anymore. But they really had to, to, to relent and say, okay, we, we can't win an argument with him because it seems like what he's saying is true about Jesus. And so Stephen had, had done this before. But you remember the one who was standing there with those religious leaders. We, we talked about how, how Saul was probably one of those ones who were arguing with Stephen at that point. And he was also the one who was standing there holding the coats of those who were stoning Stephen. But now, 
the same man, Saul, is the one who's standing in the place of Stephen. He's standing in the place of Stephen. He's taken on the responsibility that Stephen had left behind, and now he's taking that mantle, and there's a new calling in his life that God has given him. But like we said before, there was much suffering that Paul would endure because of this. And so we first find that there's a new identity that Paul has. And, and, and he can't lean anymore into his past, into who he used to be. But he leans into who God says he is now. Second, there's a deeper bond. Look at verses 26 through 30. And when he had come to Jerusalem, he attempted to join the disciples. And they were all afraid of him, for they did not believe that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared to them how on the road he had seen the Lord, he spoke to him, and how at Damascus he had preached boldly in the name of Jesus. So he went in and out among them at Jerusalem preaching boldly in the name of the Lord, and he spoke and disputed against the Hellenists. But they were seeking to kill him. And when the brothers learned this, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. Now, look at verse 27. In the midst of the, the, the rejection that Saul was experiencing, and for rightly so, right? This was deserved. How could they trust this guy who was just out there destroying the church? How could they trust him? What we see in verse 27 is there's, there's this glimmer of, of hope. It says, but Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. Now, this, this two words, took him, is really important. Because what this is, is saying is that basically Barnabas takes him under his wing. Right, Barnabas was there in the church. Bar Barnabas knew um, Stephen. He knew those people that were there. This is really important because this is a very personal thing, right? Remember, Barnabas was the one who, who wasn't about the pretentiousness and the faking and, and trying to find favor with people by, by bringing attention to himself. That wasn't who he was. And they called Barnabas the son of encouragement, and so we see that, that Barnabas is now putting himself out there. He's, he's sticking his neck on the line for Saul. Tony Morita, who's a commentator, says, it tells us Barnabas spent time with Saul. He listened, he encouraged, he advocated for him, he befriended him. See, what was it that Barnabas, that motivated Barnabas to take a risk on Saul? It was knowing the message of Jesus. It was personally knowing the message of Jesus. It was that, that, that Barnabas no longer was looking for accolades. He wasn't looking for attention. He wasn't looking for any of those things. He truly was living as, as a man transformed by the gospel, by Christ. And as he took enough of a listen, sat down with Saul, heard his story, Instead of being afraid, saying, maybe there, maybe there is a real change. Maybe there is a transformation that happened in this guy. Let me, let me take a risk. He started to realize that this, this guy, Saul, worshipped the same Lord that he did. 
See, what we need in our culture right now, what we need as Christians right now, is more of a sensitivity to listen. To listen to those that are hurting, to listen to those that might be saying something that that might rub us the wrong way or, or we might not feel like it's immediately true because we've never experienced it before. Right, Barnabas didn't experience getting knocked off his horse and meeting Jesus. That wasn't his story. But it happened. And so what, what this is, is, is there's, there's something that we can learn from Barnabas today. Because what he saw was the, the connection that they had that was Jesus. It was a deeper bond. Last Sunday, my, uh, my uncle passed away. My parents went out there to go visit and check in on him. They wanted him to come back. And sadly, uh, he'd, he'd passed away. Uh, they wanted to bring him back and live with them. And it was a really hard uh, week for me, you know, because he just meant a lot to, to our family. You know, we didn't, we didn't get to see him as much, but, but he meant a lot to us because he was like our only relative that lived on the mainland. And so it's like me and my family and, and, and Uncle Mo. And I remember sitting at, at dinner with Uncle Mo one time and he was looking at me. And he looked at me in the eye and says, Randall, you look just like my brother. You look just like him. And, you know, I think about that when I think about my uncle. And I think about um, the connection that we had, right? The bond that we had, that, that, that I looked like his brother. And when Barnabas looked in Saul's eyes, he says, that's my brother. He sat with him long enough to listen. And I just remember those times with Uncle Mo just listening to stories about the family and about his life and all these things and it just brought up all of these, these memories for me. And the, but the same thing is true for you. That because of Jesus, we have a deeper bond. And when you're going through difficulties, when you're going through suffering, when you're going through pain, you need to know that there's somebody who has your back. And as... Saul's trying to sort all of this out and really preaching Jesus and learning what it meant to be a disciple of Jesus. It was, it was Barnabas that took a risk and said, you're my brother. You see, there's a deep bond that they share and we share it too as a family of Christ. And it gave Barnabas the confidence to see beyond Saul's past. See, because sometimes what you need is somebody that sees beyond your past and gives you a clean slate. Right? You, you might know that God gives that to you, but for somebody to look you in the eye and give you a clean slate and to live with grace towards you, what a powerful thing. And that's what Saul experiences here as he's facing suffering, and he'll continue to face suffering for the rest of his life. Lastly, what we see is this, a comforting presence. Look at verse 31. So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. Do you, do you hear that? The, the church, like throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria, this is the first time that it talks about the church. Right, what we see before this in Acts is that there's multiple churches that are sprouting up. But, but we see the church, and he, he names Judea, Galilee, Samaria. 
And what this is is a reminder to us that, yes, there's a church in Judea, Galilee, Samaria, but you know what? It's only seen as one church, the church. So the church throughout all these places, right? All of these different um, racial things that were going on when it, when it comes to Samaria, to Galilee, to Judea, like, the, like all of the, 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 the baggage, right, that, that would have been there is now wiped away because there's one church. Jesus is now bringing them together. There's healing that's happening, and it says that there was peace. There was peace, and they were being built up. And here's what's in, in walking in the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Spirit it multiplied. So how does... God's comfort come because there's a comforting presence that, 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 that we need in the midst of suffering. How does God's comfort come? Well, here's where it starts. It starts with a reverence and a, and a holy fear of God. Right? There's a, there's a reverence to say, I'm not the God of my life. I'm not the Lord of my life. See, many times what we want to do is we want to hold on to, well, I'm in charge. I'm in control. I know what, what, what needs to happen in my future. All of these things. But what we're seeing here is that the church is saying, no, the Lord is in charge. And, and there's a fear of the Lord, the lordship of Jesus over them, like you're in charge, God, not me. And what comes is there's a comfort from that. There's a comfort in the Holy Spirit. Do you see it? It says, walk in the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Now, now, does this mean that from this point everything was perfect for them? No. But the point is being driven home is this, that God is with them, that they trusted God's leadership and were comforted by his presence. Right? What are the things that, that make us anxious? that bring out, like we talked about earlier, that hot-temperedness, the shortness, all of those things, the, the lack of peace. What is it? It's when we live not in fear of the Lord, not in reverence of God, but we think that we're seated with him. We think that we got this. We think that we can still hold on and have control. But when we let that go, when we surrender it, when we say, God, I thought I had a lot more control than I really did. I did it, and it's really all about you. Then what happens is there's a, there's, a, there's a comfort, there's a peace that starts to come into our lives that can only be explained by the Holy Spirit, by God's presence. Right, it's the it's the 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 supernatural. It's the it's the unexplainable God that, that comes in and, and and breaks down the walls. And what happens is that the church starts to multiply because of God. Right, there's a presence there that comforts. And so, just some takeaways for today. When you go through suffering, what do we need to remember? Well, number one, remember that. When you're in Christ, when, you, when you're, new, you're in Christ, you've accepted Christ, you're a new creation. You're a new creation. I love this passage from 2 Corinthians 5, 17, and this is written by Paul. This is written by him. He, here's what he says. He says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. We find in, in the letters to the Corinthians that 
that Paul no longer was holding on to his old identity of who he was. He didn't have that grip on, I'm in charge of my life, I'm in the one that, that's curating this, this personality of this person and, and what people think about me anymore. He wasn't held back by his past. He said, he, he clearly stated, yes, this is who I was. How do you know that you're free from your past and you're starting to live into that new creation? It's this, when you can start to name specifically the sins that held you back in the past. When you can name them specifically. Because you know when, when a sin has a grip on you, when you can't name it, when you can't speak to it, and you keep it in the darkness and you keep it in the silence. But when you can speak to it specifically and say, yes, this is who I was and, and this is what I did, and you can speak to it and say, no longer does it hold a grip on my life, that's when you start to transform. That's when you start to live into the new creation, the, 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 the new identity that you have in Jesus. And so, number one, when, when you're going through suffering, remember that you're a new creation. You, you need to remember your identity in Jesus, that you're a child of God, and that when you're a child of God, nothing can take that away. Because later, in Romans 8, it talks about that, that neither height nor depth nor anything in all creation can separate us from the love that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so remember that, okay? Paul had to learn that personally to be able to, to, to really write that out and, and learn that. And, um, and so the Lord taught him that. And the, the second one is this, you're not alone. You're not alone. First Peter 5, 8 through 9. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion. Like a roaring lion. He's not a roaring lion. There's only one lion. It's, it's Jesus. Seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of sufferings are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. Same kinds of suffering. Sometimes you might feel like you're alone in a struggle and a sin, that you're the only one who's done this. You know, the enemy loves to make you feel like you're isolated and alone and you're the only one who struggles. But I want you to know today that it's not true. It's not true. And what did, what did Saul need more than anything? He needed somebody to come in into his isolation, into his loneliness, into the, the place where his past was and say, okay, you have a future. The Lord's with you. He had people who had his back. It says that as he was preaching in Damascus, it said that his disciples, what we find out is that they're, as he's preaching Jesus, there are people who are coming to know Jesus. He wasn't alone. He wasn't alone, okay? And so I want you to know that today you're not alone. And in the midst of suffering, don't, don't isolate yourself, but know that God is with you. See, who are the people in your life that are that Barnabas? Maybe what you need to do today is text them, you know, and just, just thank them. Or maybe today what you need to do is, is, is reach out and say, hey, I, I want to be an encouragement. I want to be a Barnabas to somebody else. It might just be that simple text or, or whatever it might be that God uses to remind somebody else that they're not alone. Okay? And so we, we need that reminder. And lastly, it's this, that God sees you. That God sees you. Just that simple fact that God sees you. 
I was just finishing up this book with some of our, our leaders who are in our church uh, called A Tale of Three Kings. And one of the things about it is it talks about David as a young man. And he's alone. And he's out uh, taking care of the sheep. And he's really irrelevant. And one of the things it talks about is in that book how, how he learned in the wilderness by himself that, you know, like as he's with these sheep, that God saw him, that God was with him. And that's where we, you know, we read through some of the Psalms and, and we think about that. But just that simple fact of knowing that God sees us is, is really important and that we can find comfort in him in the midst of our suffering. You know, some of the things that we can go through at, at times is, is look at our circumstances and say, well, God, why are you letting me go through this? Why are you allowing this to happen? This is so difficult. This is so hard, right? As we look at uh, Saul in his life and what's happening here, he's, he's almost, at a couple points, uh, people have plotted to kill him, right? Not, not an easy, easy life, not an easy experience here that he's going through. But we can go through our circumstances in life and say, God, why are you even there? Do you even see me? And so how can you and I know that God is actually with us in the midst of our suffering? Well, 1 Peter 3.18 says this, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God. You and I will go through suffering. It's not if, it's when. We will. But the promise is this. It's not to protect us from all the sufferings that we'll go through, but it's to know that that the God of the universe suffered himself. In no other religion in the world do you find that there's a God who suffers, who becomes vulnerable, who becomes weak and dies for his people. But that's what you find in the gospel. And when you know And when it's hit you deep in your heart that there's a God who loves you that much that was willing to suffer, not for his own sake, but for your sake. He died for us. He suffered once for sins. Whose sins? My sins. The righteous. The righteous. Remember, righteous suffering. The righteous for the unrighteous. And he says, I did it for you. And so do you know that today? that he can take our suffering and make in us a new creation that when we suffer, we become more righteous like him. He works together all things to the good of those who love him according to his purposes under the lordship of Jesus. Do you know that today? Have you received that today? I encourage you right now, you can do that. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for the good news of the gospel. We thank you that in the midst of our sufferings, Lord, um, I mean, we look around, I look around all the time and there's just so much suffering. It's hard to even wrap it all up um, just in my mind of, of just how much is going on right now. I just think of, our brothers and sisters in India with, with COVID and all the things that are happening, Lord, I pray you be with them. I pray you help us, Lord, to, to see that, um, that everything's not okay, but that we need a Savior. We need a Savior, Lord. 
And it's not going to be from just a temporary healing that happens. It's got to be from a permanent one that only Jesus can do. And so I pray that as a church family today, we can remember that, know that, and lean into that. And that if there's somebody that doesn't know that, Lord, we pray that they'll come to you and they'll find healing in Jesus. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this resource from Grace City Church. If you found this helpful, feel free to share it and enjoy more resources at gracecitysd.com. Grace City Church exists to equip people with the gospel for everyday life.